Well, good morning. Welcome again to Fellowship of Grace. Glad you're here this morning. I uh, was sitting there singing and decided just a couple of verses just to drop out and listen to you. I mean, I, I'm going to start praying that God will set us all together in heaven someday. You guys are just good. I mean, that, that just sounded good. I've been in churches before where hardly anybody participates uh, in worship except the people on the stage, and they somehow get the impression that uh, the people up here are the uh, performers and that you are the audience. And I think our church has really got it, uh, that uh, all of us are the performers and God is the audience. And uh, I like that. I like that. I like to just drop out every once in a while and hear you all sing and participate at a high level. That really uh, uh, just makes my heart smile. It just makes my heart smile to, to hear you guys uh, worshiping God like that. Well, today, if you've taken a look at your um, uh, notes already, you see that you're getting two sermons for the price of one. We're not going to charge you any extra for that today. Uh, but I do feel the need uh, to respond uh, to what happened in our nation on Friday uh, through the Supreme Court. But I do want to uh, finish up chapter 9 of uh, uh, the book of Acts. We've been going through the book of Acts. And if you remember, we've been through the first third of the book, which is really the ministry in Jerusalem. And we're in the middle, kind of towards the end, of the Judean-Samarian ministry in the middle of the book. And then we'll spend uh, some time in the fall uh, going through the rest of the book. Uh, really, um, Paul's missionary journeys and the um, mission really to the uttermost parts of the world or the ends of the earth, depending on which translation you have. And so I'm, I'm uh, excited about that. And I'm really glad that uh, you've been following along. If you've missed any of the sermons, of course, you can go to our website at www.fogkc.com. And you can pick up any of those uh, things that you missed there. Uh, I, I know that a lot of you have already heard that a lot of you are going to be gone next week because you're going to be traveling. Man, are you going to miss it? I'm really, uh, really sad that you guys are going to be traveling. You're going to have to catch up uh, next week because really uh, this week, the rest of chapter 9, uh, we're going to be kind of teeing up things for chapter 10. In chapter 10, uh, things are going to take a drastic change. Uh, from chapter 9. And so I want you to be here next week if you're going to be in town and uh, see what happens here. Uh, but let's get started. We're going to be in the rest of uh, Acts chapter 9. We're going to look uh, clear to the end of the chapter, starting with verse 32. But let's read the first three verses there, and then we'll talk about it just for a little bit. Okay, today we're going to talk about Peter performing more miracles. And I know uh, you're thinking already, wow, you know, they're just Seems like that's all they're doing is performing miracles all the time. Well, that's a lot of what they're doing. Remember, remember, the New Testament has not been written yet. The Gospels have not been written yet. And these guys are going all around the place. And, and when they go into a town and say, hey, my friend Jesus rose from the dead, everybody kind of gives them a weird look like, have you lost your mind? What's, what's your problem? Uh, but all of a sudden, when they do these miracles, uh, they get a hearing. Uh, they get uh, some kind of a, a, an opportunity for people to listen to what they're going to say. Uh, let's face it. Let's face it. If you and I went to a funeral uh, this afternoon, and we went and we viewed the body, and we see them uh, dying there or having been dead there, and then uh, uh, somebody comes in, steps up to the casket, and that person sits up and they get out of the... We would listen to what they say, right? I mean, at least they would get a hearing from us, and that's what's going on here. So let's take a look, uh, starting in verse 32. It says, Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a, a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. 
By the way, moms, and this would be a good verse for you to re- uh, remember and maybe memorize. Uh, if your kids don't like making their beds, uh, just remind them that the first thing you do when you raise from the dead, or when you are, uh, don't, aren't paralyzed anymore, is you make your bed, right? That's what uh, Peter said to him. So you might want to memorize that and just use that for him a little bit. Not really, but uh, let's talk. Let's talk. Listen, as an apostle, uh, one of Peter's uh, responsibilities is to visit the churches. And we see that that's what he was doing. Uh, Peter visits these churches. It says he was going here and there. He was going in and out from all the churches. Uh, he was going there to strengthen them, to, to share his witness of what he had seen uh, in the ministry of Jesus and at the resurrection. He was preaching and working and doing these things uh, to try and strengthen the churches. Uh, all of the churches were church plants in that day. Think about it. Uh, Every church was probably a first-generation church plant because, uh, you know, it had only been a few years since uh, Jesus rose from the dead. And so uh, he was going around strengthening them and trying to help them and encourage them. The uh, second thing we see here is that uh, Jesus heals Aeneas through Peter. And I wrote it specifically that way because I want you to pay close attention uh, to what was said. And remember, guys, when we study God's Word, the words are important. Peter doesn't go in and say, Hey, I heal you by Jesus' power. Get up. What he said was, Jesus Christ heals you. That's that's important. Peter understood and realized that his power was not found in himself. His power was not found in his own personality or or his own uh, 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 talents or abilities. He is going back again and again and again, realizing and acknowledging the fact that the Holy Spirit in him is the source of his power. He says, Jesus Christ heals you. I'm just the vehicle, basically. I'm the conduit to Jesus healing you. And so we see here that Aeneas is, is uh, healed by Christ's power. Uh, you know, I, another miraculous healing. I want to say nothing special about this. They're all special, you know. Uh, They're all just incredible miracles. But here we have just another example of Peter uh, healing someone. And let's go back uh, now, verses 36 through 43, get to the end of the chapter, and then we'll go back and talk about these a little bit. It says, Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. I'd like to go through school with that name. And then Dorcas, that's a hard word. Anyway, she was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when he arrived, he took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. So we see here in this passage that Jesus heals Tabitha through Peter. Once again, Peter is used in this great way. He's being used uh, because he's become one of the leaders. Uh, In fact, the leader of the New Testament church here. We'll talk about that more here in just a minute. 
But I always wondered why Luke keeps coming back to Peter. And we just uh, saw over the last rest or the first part of this chapter, really, uh, uh, Saul came to know Christ, uh, how Christ revealed himself to him on the road to Damascus, and uh, what happened with him. And then uh, uh, Dr. Luke uh, comes back to Peter again. Now listen, all the disciples, all the apostles at this point are ministering, and, and the Bible says in several places that they were all doing miracles. But he keeps coming back and talking about specifically what Peter was doing. And we'll talk about why here in just a minute. We also want you to see here that many turn to Christ because of these miracles. In both instances, the Bible says that many turn to Jesus. And they, you know, they witnessed these miracles. And they were convinced that these guys were doing it through the power of Jesus Christ. I think one of the reasons was uh, uh, Peter especially was very, very careful to always give God glory for what he was doing. He always said, hey, Jesus is the one doing it. Jesus is the one doing it. Jesus is the one doing it. It might behoove us to think about that. And as God uses us to uh, share a testimony with somebody or, or to lead somebody to Christ or to disciple someone and see their spiritual life grown, and God uses us to do these things that are uh, just as miraculous. Remember, changing a human heart is greater than healing a person's body. And God does all those things. Now, he uses mankind because he wants to and he chose to. But we always need to remember, folks, that power comes from him alone. Nobody else has that power. We also see in this passage that Christianity was considered to be a sect of the Jews at this time. Now, we don't see a real, uh, it's kind of subtle here, but when you look back so far, uh, virtually every name that's been used so far in the book of Acts is a Jewish name. Every city is a city uh, that has a large group of Jews in it. Uh, uh, Christianity was not really Christianity yet in the sense of being kind of a separate thing. It was, it was really a sect of the Jews. Uh, remember, Jesus came uh, to, to uh, draw the Jews unto himself, and some of them have embraced that. They've embraced him as the promised Messiah. And why that's important, folks, is this is the part I'm teeing up for next week. Because next week, that's going to change drastically. We don't see any evidence at this point, uh, at the end of Acts chapter 9, uh, that there are uh, Gentiles, uh, non-Jews, following Jesus. They're not joining uh, uh, the Jewish nation or, or becoming Jews or, or trying to become Jews and become Christians. There's really none of that going on yet. The Gentiles are going, oh yeah, that's those, uh, those Jews on steroids or whatever they are. I'm not really sure what they are. That's, they're just doing their thing. But next week, that's going to change drastically. I want to encourage you to read chapter 10 before you come next week uh, because it's going to be a big deal, all right? It's going to be a big deal. Last thing I want you to see here in this passage is this. Peter is fulfilling his role as an apostle, and I touched on it, uh, but Peter's fulfilling his role by becoming the, really the leader of the Jerusalem church. You know, in every group, there's a leader. I don't know if you're aware of this, but in every group, there is a leader. If, if we have uh, four men volunteer to help mow the lawn this afternoon... Uh, they're going to get together, and, and let's say we don't make anybody the head lawnmower, and he doesn't have a title, and he doesn't have a position. They're going to get together, and they're going to talk, and one guy's going to go, you know, why don't we do it like this? What if we do this section first, and you guys take that part over there, and you, we'll do this this way, and this way, this way. How, what do you think? And the other guys are going to go, okay, yeah, we can do that. See, that guy's the leader. He's, he's risen to the top. He's become the leader. I, I realized this, uh, really, as my uh, daughters were young, and they had uh, uh, these sleepover things, you know, where there's, uh, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, eight-year-olds together. 
And if you just watch them, if you just let them do their thing and stand back and watch them, you can actually, and I know you're going to think I'm really weird here, but you can actually put them in kind of a pecking order. I mean, there's obviously one person that kind of rules the roost. And then there's one person right under them that kind of challenged them for the top spot, but they kind of give in at the last minute. And then if you keep going, and then there's one person at the end is like, I don't care, whatever you guys want to do. Uh, I'll just do whatever. And, and I realized uh, our daughter Mandra was always at the top fighting for the top, and Casey was always at the bottom going, I don't care, whatever. You know? And so it was really interesting to watch this happen. This is just a natural, normal thing. I want you to know that Peter is becoming really the key leader of the church. But it is not because he is the first pope. And it is not because he is the rock that Jesus is going to build his church on. Okay? We don't have time to go back through that passage. Uh, but we've been through it before uh, in our church. We've talked about it. Um, uh, when Peter gave his declaration that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, that is the statement, that is the rock that Jesus is building his church on. He said, Peter, you're a little pebble, but on this big fat rock, I'm going to build my church. Okay? So as you hear things out there in the, in the uh, community and things like that, Peter is not the first pope here. That's not why he's getting his leadership. Uh, he's the rock because he, he confessed that Jesus, uh, he's not the rock, he, he's, he's, he's the leader because he confessed that Jesus was uh, the Son of God. And frankly, if you look at his personality, he was kind of the leader before. Now, not in always a good way, <laughs> you know, uh, he was the guy, but he was kind of leading the disciples at times. And just by his personality and his giftedness and, and his, his normal, natural talents, he was kind of a leader. And now God is using him to lead the church. And I want you to see that that's kind of teeing up some things for the future here too. Uh, but, but really the end of this chapter is just more of the same miracle working. And I don't want us to uh, look over it like it's not an important thing. It is. But, but there's... You know, there's just, it just keeps going on and on and on. But it's because they're validating their message. They're validating the message that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's not just a good teacher. He's not uh, just a prophet. He's not just a good guy with a lot of good... He's not just a man that knows how to love others. He's not just a good example. He is the Son of God. And that's why they're doing these miracles, because the, the Son of God, His power uh, through the Holy Spirit is in them and working through them. And so in your community groups this week, talk about these miracles. Uh, talk about these two as they uh, kind of add on to the ones that we've already seen. Uh, talk about any differences you see in them or any things that you see uh, that are the same. Uh, but, but let's really uh, kind of prepare for next week. And I do want to encourage you, uh, if you're going to be here next week, uh, and even if you're not, uh, take a look at chapter 10. And uh, uh, because the, the church is going to take a, quite a different direction next week, and I'd like for you to be prepared for that.